coming up. Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone, Liz Wheeler. Hide your children. This is going to be a good one. KSGF.com, a number of things for you there. One, we have a private showing coming up in November. It's a Saturday, the first Saturday in November, 1 o'clock, of The Birds. It's one of my favorite movies. They're like, hey, you can show what you want. It's like, I want to watch that. It actually, we thought, it is one of my favorite movies. And uh, and in, initially, we were going to do it in October, and it's got sort of a spooky element to it. We thought, oh, well, that'll be great leading into Halloween. Uh, but they're showing those the, the Taylor Swift concert movie deal or whatever uh, during October, and so uh, that required us to move to November. But I wasn't going to switch the movie. So if you want to join us, then you do register at ksgf.com, and everyone who wins will get a pair of passes to uh, join us in that private showing of the Burbs coming up on uh, November. I think it's 4th. It's the first Saturday in November at 1 o'clock, okay? Now, also, uh, in addition to that, you can sign up for a pizza party, Godfather's Pizza. Fantastic pizza for area store locations. They do deliver your pizza party. Um, is uh, um, you know good for any of their four area locations. You know, I guess they could deliver that also. I have to talk to them. In fact, I'm going to be over there today and tomorrow uh, because I clearly have a problem uh, for different reasons, not eating all the time. But uh, find out, uh, yeah, if you want to have your pizza party at your church or your home or whatever, I suppose that we could arrange that as well. It's your party after all. So you and up to uh, 12 people of your choosing uh, have a pizza party with Godfathers and just um, get signed up, ksgf.com. And there are a number of other things for you to do uh, there as well, plus information about our um, breakfast tomorrow for first responders. And we've been mentioning the, uh, the, the sponsor for that, Pyramid Roofing, which has, of course, uh, they've been just fantastic partners over the last several years, done a number of, uh, of great things that are beneficial to the community. Um, and uh, now I can announce that Barker's Frame and Collision, they're like, we want to help on this as well when it comes to first responders. So a big thank you to Barker's Frame and Collision, also sponsoring, along with Pyramid Roofing, tomorrow's free breakfast for first responders at Scramblers. Latest news update. Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Luna. A bulldozer attached to a truck was nearly sent off an overpass during rush hour after being cut off by another car. The accident shut down traffic heading to the northbound US-65 ramp from James River Freeway in Springfield. Officers say there were no reported injuries, and they are currently investigating which car was responsible. The incident resulted in heavy traffic that backed all the way up eastbound James River Freeway. Officers want to remind drivers that when they are on the road, there is an accident to pay attention to the road, to avoid further accidents and collisions. Volunteers with Mothers Against Drunk Driving are voicing frustration after a Springfield woman was sentenced to five years in prison for a drunk driving crash. Prosecutors asked for 10 years, but Corinna Stock still received the minimum prison sentence for involuntary manslaughter in the deaths of Dustin Emmett and Nick Thomas. From Color 10 Studios, I'm Angela Luna. First alert forecast sponsored by Navant. Employee benefits that work. Sunny, breezy, high of 78 for the day. A 40% chance of showers and storms down to 61 and tomorrow. 
Slight chance of showers and storms, otherwise mostly cloudy with sunshine in the afternoon, high of 72, Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, every morning I tell you about Bruce and the Beatles property maintenance team. That's right. And they do a lot of home repairs and maintenance. They can help you out with your personal home. Uh, They can also help you out if you are a real estate agent and you have uh, things pop up during that inspection phase that need to be addressed. But one thing that I often fail to mention is if you are a property manager and you are looking for somebody to help you out with all of those maintenance items and repairs that can pop up with your real estate. Um, Beatles Property Maintenance, they can help you out with all of those items as well. So they can help you out when it comes to your rental properties with plumbing, electrical, drywall, windows, doors, and trims. Uh, They can help you install appliances. They can help you with crawl space and attic repairs, mold remediation, and so on and so forth. And they can really make your rental property just move in ready for whenever you need it to be. Now, if you want more information on the property manager uh, program that Beatles Property Maintenance offers, I highly recommend that you go over to BeatlesPM.com. And of course, you can find all of the contact information for Bruce and the Beatles Property Maintenance its team under the Sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com. Author of the week, sponsor ABC ABC Books on North Glenstone coming up next. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Oh, oh, oh. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. It's Thursday, which means author of the week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone and this week we've got Liz Wheeler who Host the podcast, The Liz Wheeler Show, author of Tipping Points, How to Top of the Left's House of Cards. Her latest book, Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. I thank you so much for being with us this morning. And I'm just curious, of course, a lot of subject matter out there, but why this book? Why this, this subject matter? Hi, Nick. Thanks so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. You know, this book actually started as a question that I had. I think it was a question that a lot of parents had during COVID when all we had to do was look over our kids' shoulders on Zoom school, and we just saw all this poison, critical race theory, trans ideology, the 1619 Project being poured into our kids' minds. And a lot of parents were shocked by this. People didn't know this was going on to this extent. And I wondered, you know, I knew it wasn't a new attack. The left has been after our kids for a while, but it did seem like it was escalating. So my question was, why now? What's behind this? Who's behind this? What's their goal? And I sought out to answer that question. And what I found is, first of all, it's not new. This is actually the most frustrating part of what I found. <laughs> the left has been spending a lot of time, decades, actually seeding some of these uh, ideas into our institutions, taking over the media and the education system and you know, the law and waging these attacks on our nuclear family. And I thought, okay, well, what has the Republican Party been doing while the left has been, you know, on their long march through our our institutions? How come we haven't been fighting back effectively? How did we get to this point? So what I do in my book, the first half, I name the names of the people and the organizations that are behind the capture of our institutions and behind the attack on our kids. Because I think it's really important for us as conservatives to acknowledge the reality of the political enemy that we face so that we can fight well against it. Otherwise, it's pretty easy for us as conservatives to act in a little too good of faith and assume that these people are just unwise or stupid rather than having behind them a poisonous ideology. And in the second half of my book, I offer a solution that, Nick, I will tell you is different than what the Republican Party offers for how we can actually start winning, how we can take back our institutions and how we can protect our nation's kids. 
Well, let's start with some of the groups, the organizations. As you you began to dig in and, and try to find the source of this, were there any groupings or organizations that you were shocked to find out, oh my gosh, I, I thought this was a, a benign organization that was simply doing this good cause, and here actually uh, it isn't that. Were there any of those groups? There were. In fact, I think that a lot of parents, and this is true, I mean, if you if you think back to your childhood, you think about going to the public library, you think about checking out books, it was so exciting getting a library card, right. you kind of trusted the children's librarians, and that's not true anymore. It's a very different world um, for our children, even going to a public library. I mean, public libraries have been hosting these drag queen story hours for preschoolers and toddlers. And the more I dug into the library system, I found that the president of the American Library Association, it's, a, it's an influential woman by the name of Emily Drabinsky. She won her election as president last year. And after she won her election, she posted a tweet in which she said, who would have thought that a Marxist could win the presidency of the American Library Association. And it just floored me because oftentimes, oftentimes the opposition, the people on the left disguise their ideology. Mm. They pretend that they're just being fair. They don't admit that they're socialists. They pretend that they want to fight climate change. They don't admit that they want, you know, an authoritarian government. But even though you and I can infer what they want from their actions, but this woman admitted that she is a Marxist. Now, she's one of the biggest proponents in our country of keeping the sexually graphic books in children's libraries and pushing books on children that have a critical race theory narrative. And what's really interesting is she would never have won that election for president of the American Library Association had not Randy Weingarten, the head of the second the second largest teachers union in our country, thrown her political weight behind Emily Drabinsky's campaign. Do you find that a lot, or, or that there's a degree, or to what degree, some of these players, are they individuals that, for example, they really genuinely want to be a teacher or want to be a librarian, and then they become indoctrinated, or is it perhaps more sinister where these are activists and they try to find roles in which they can have the most impact? Um, so there's basically two, two different categories here. The category that a Randy Weingartner and Emily Drabinsky would fall into is the latter. They are activists who understand that these powerful roles within our institutions are the best way to essentially capture the minds of the next generation. If a communist politician walks out into the street and tries to sell communism to the average voter, you might get a couple of Bernie bros or maybe some of AOC's constituents to support him, but you're not going to sell communism to the average American voter. So they know if they want to change the political fabric of our country, they have to capture the minds of children. That's why they're after kids the most, because they want to indoctrinate our children. So there are activists that understand that that capturing these institutions and these positions in the institutions are powerful. But I, I'm actually glad you brought this up because most public school teachers, and I don't want to be misunderstood here in my book, most public school teachers are not Marxists. Most of them aren't committed revolutionaries. They just, they want to serve. They love children. They want to help educate children. They're committed to that. But unfortunately, the situation in our country right now in the public school system is even good teachers and good faith teachers don't have much choice over what is taught to their children. They don't have the same dominion over their classroom that maybe teachers did when we were in school. And they're forced to um, they're forced to include in their lesson plans what's called social emotional learning. 
a lot of parents have heard of this, but it's sort of an innocuous sounding name, so it doesn't really throw up any red flags. But social emotional learning, it's not an academic discipline like math or English or science. It's disguised as values education. So it's intended to teach children a worldview, which is exactly what it does. It teaches children to look at the world through the Marxist dialectic of everyone being an oppressor or being oppressed, everyone being, you know, the white supremacist or the marginalized. And this social emotional learning is required now to be weaved into curriculum, even math curriculum. I was talking to a high school math teacher a couple months ago. She teaches calculus, so like high level mathematics in high school. And she was saying how much more difficult her job has gotten in the past couple of years because she's required to teach social emotional learning within her calculus curriculum. And this is really um, what mitigates the fact that, yeah, a lot of teachers are good teachers. They love children. They want to educate but they don't have a choice about what they teach. They're required to participate in this indoctrination. I'm gra- glad we're talking with our author of the week, Liz Wheeler. The book is Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. I'm glad that you brought up social-emotional learning because that is something that we're seeing more in, in the area schools here. Uh, and it's uh, just it's sold as this no-brainer sort of situation. Like, hey, we, we want kids to be happy, and this is teaching kids not to be mean to each other and to to get along. I've heard it, and I want to get your thoughts. It equated essentially the goal is somewhat similar to critical race theory and creating this hierarchy of good guys and bad guys. Is that a fair comparison? It is. In fact, I trace the origin of social-emotional learning back to, well, its origin in the book to see where it came from and the concepts that are taught in social emotional learning. Now they're, they're disguised with euphemistic names like, oh, let's teach children self-awareness and empathy and, and words that we typically associate with positive connotations. But the origin of the concept of social emotional learning was actually coined by a Brazilian Marxist named Paulo Freire. And Paulo Freire was uh, a unique Marxist because he contended that that teachers in the education system shouldn't teach children facts and knowledge. He was a Marxist, so he didn't believe in objective truth. He thought instead of teaching facts and knowledge, that teachers should teach children a worldview and the worldview, how to think, he called it. And this worldview he called critical consciousness, awaken their critical consciousness is what Freire wanted. And what this critical consciousness was, was teaching children to look at the world through a Marxist lens. So everything, whether it's race, whether it's sex, whether it's economic class, everything needs to be divided into this, you know, working class versus ruling class, oppressed versus oppressors. And that's exactly what social emotional learning is. Paulo Freire's work was imported from Brazil into the United States by several powerful academics that are alive and well today in the United States. They know exactly what they're doing. They changed the name of it so that it's not as easy for parents to be like, well, wait a second. We won't want our children being taught Marxism, but okay, if you want to teach our children empathy, I guess that's fine. They have to learn that somewhere. But once you find these connections and these, these, the threads that tie the ideology that's being taught in classrooms today to its origin, you can't unsee it. Well, I got to tell you, this is going to be the latest. It's already underway in Missouri. In fact, there was just in the last couple of days a local news story and uh, the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, which is referred to as DESE, sent out a survey uh, asking people, hey, how do you feel about us implementing this and, and the importance of it? And it, you know, of course, breaks it down. It's about 
um, teaching skills that have positive effects on those around the students and relationship building. And lo and behold, with such flowery description, uh, they got a majority of people you know, responding saying, well, that sounds like a good idea. And so you get headlines like this, social emotional learning plan backed by majority of Missourians survey finds, and then that goes out in the media. So it, it, it almost self-fulfills the propaganda nature of it. So Missouri, we're, we're facing it here. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not something that's just in far leftist states. It's not something that just in California, just in New York, just in Chicago, it is everywhere. And these euphemisms that the left is using, I mean, Randy Weingarten and the teachers unions are huge proponents of social emotional learning. So they're not just targeting blue right. states. They're targeting every classroom in the country. They use these euphemisms in order to trick parents. It's one of the reasons I wrote this book is because I want parents to be aware. I don't want us to be caught flat-footed again the way that we were by critical race theory, the way that we were by the transgender ideology. I want us to identify these things before they are in our children's classrooms so that we can eradicate them. And I don't want us to fall for the deception that the left always tries to use against us. Because, of course, they sent out that survey. Of course, they want to pretend that this is backed by majority rule. But I guarantee you, Nick, if parents actually knew what social-emotional learning was, it would cross party lines. Republican parents and Democrat parents would widely reject it. We're talking with Liz Wheeler, author of the week, the book Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxists Behind the Attack on America's Kids. And uh, one other question, and then um, I, I suppose any final words from you and, and what parents can do uh, uh, in order to combat all this. But yeah, we've talked, it seems like increasingly on this show, about the church's role in some of these changes. And and it, the, it seemed as if there was a period of time church was essentially demonized by the left and the Marxist. And, and now it seems as if they have effectively essentially co-opt some churches where you have, it seems as if, churches that are filled with, with leaders that at times seem to almost promote this sort of ideology. What is, in the current day, the church's role in all of this? Yeah, you're exactly right. And it was one of the saddest parts of researching my book when I just realized the depth to which the American Christian church, I'm not talking about one particular denomination, this is true, unfortunately, for many, have been co-opted by these forces of wokeness. Um, it really is dangerous. The church has to play a role at the forefront of fighting against Marxism and communism. And I say this not because, not because, not because I'm a Bible thumper, although perhaps I am, but I say this because our, our nation was founded upon the, upon objective truth, upon reality, right? It was founded upon the idea that we have individual rights that predate government, individual rights that were given to us by our creator. We are not going to have a thriving society if we only engage in moral relativism, if we only pretend that there is this false idea of neutrality where there isn't anything, there isn't any objective truth. There's no definition of right or wrong. Everyone can bring their own ideas to, to the marketplace and who's to say who's right or wrong. That's what led us to the cultural chaos in which we exist right now. And what I mean by this, I'll give you an example from the education system. So our, our public school system didn't become mandatory until 1852, actually. Massachusetts was the first state to make public schooling compulsory. And the reason they did was because at the time there was an influx of immigrants coming to our country, particularly Catholic immigrants. And these Protestant politicians wanted to indoctrinate the immigrant children in American values so that they would be loyal to America first versus the country of their birth. And they wanted to indoctrinate them in Protestant doctrine because of the centuries-long battle between Protestants and Catholics. 
And I realized as I'm researching this that our education system actually was intended to be an indoctrination center. That's what it's supposed to do. We often associate indoctrination now with, with negatively because of what the Democrats are indoctrinating our children with. But it was supposed to be an institution that imparted objective reality to our children. And this is what I challenge conservatives in the book to reorient our thinking about the public square, reorient our thinking about institutions and even to a certain extent government institutions and realize that there is no such thing as neutrality. Either the Democrat ideologies are going to prevail and be indoctrinated via government and institutions or Republican values, which are American values and Judeo-Christian morals, are going to prevail. If we fall for this delusion that you can divorce religion and politics, we're going to continue down this chaotic path that we're on. And I'm not saying this to advocate for a theocracy or to violate anybody's separation of church and state and their religious liberty. You can, you can, you're free to do or not do whatever you want when it comes to your religion, but it is an objective truth that our nation was built on religious truth, that we had a definition of right and wrong and liberty and justice and moral and immoral and man and woman and marriage. And if we move away from that, then we are not going to be able to defeat these Marxists because Marxism is at its core a satanic ideology. It is a religion in and of itself. And the only way to defeat it is by first asserting objective reality, which is, of course, natural law. And any final words of uh, encouragement? Yeah, people ask me if I feel hopeless in the face of everything that's happening in our culture. And at moments, I think it's hard not to be because we've we've lost a little faith in our election systems and we see these we see these institutions captured. But I always tell people, listen, I wouldn't be doing what I do for a living. I wouldn't be hosting my show and writing this book if I thought all hope was lost because it's too much work to be fighting for a lost cause. I think it is encouraging to see how many parents have had their eyes open during COVID, how many conservatives understand the reality of the political enemy that we're facing and are truly committed to eradicating it. My only challenge to conservatives is we have to reject the Republican Party's um, strategies and their fighting tactics that, that they've been using for the past 50 years because they don't work. And we really do have to reclaim our constitutional legacy to uh, a society of ordered liberty where we do acknowledge right and wrong and that there's not there's not moral relativism. Otherwise, I don't know if we'll be able to win. So it can be done. It's just a matter of whether we choose to do that. Our author of the week, Liz Wheeler, sponsored by our author of the week segment, ABC Books on North Glenstone. The book is Hide Your Children, Exposing the Marxist Behind the Attack on America's Kids. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. We're making new investments to enhance the transparency of Ukraine's institutions and to bolster the rule of law. This is Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Tomorrow, 10 a.m., KSGF.com, local for less, half price deal. Getaway golf. Two golfers. A round of golf at Getaway Golf, normally $38 and $19. You will get it. So it's half price. Good deal there. That is 10 a.m. tomorrow at KSGF. Coming up, a resurfaced 2007 video where Joe Biden is talking about how we can't just quickly pull out of Afghanistan and predicted, well, exactly what happened when he did pull us out of Afghanistan. Oopsie daisies. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. 
first alert forecast from Color 10. Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sponsored by Navant. Employee benefits that work. Sunshine, breezy, 78 for a high today. 40% chance of showers and storms tonight, down to 61. A slight chance of showers and storms tomorrow. Uh, eventually, some sunshine by afternoon. Expected with a high of 72, Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, um, every morning I tell you about Avis, the car rental company, and their long-term rental program. Now, this program, it was created to bridge that gap between buying a vehicle and leasing a vehicle. Um, some of the great details about this, this program is that you have no vehicle maintenance fees that you have to worry about. You also have no trips to the DMV. And the best part about the long-term rental program is if you get into a vehicle that you at first thought, you know, I'm really excited to try this out, but after a while you realize, you know, maybe it doesn't have enough space or it just maybe it's got too many bells and whistles or maybe even not enough. Uh, you can swap out vehicles every couple of months if you wish to do so. Now, Avis, they have everything from Chevy Bolt EVs to Ford F-250s to even Ford cargo vans. So they have a little bit of something for every season and every lifestyle. Now, if you want more information on the uh, long-term rental program highly recommend that you swing by the avis store it's off of fort and sunshine here in springfield speak to lauren and of course you can find all of the contact information for avis under the sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com there is a two, 2007 video that has resurfaced of joe biden as he was running for the democrat nomination to be president of the united states that would eventually go to barack obama Joe Biden's run for president a lot of times. Now, the reason this is relevant is, well, of course, it has to do with Afghanistan and, you know, Afghanistan, but also the Taliban, um, you know, fully armed, thanks to Joe Biden. They have been very vocal in offering their support to the terrorists that are um, trying to eliminate Israel. And there are reports that that much of the American weapons that Biden chose to left behind in the leave behind in the hands of the Taliban have or they are it is currently being used. Who knows? Back in 2007, during a campaign stop in Winterset, Iowa, as he was still vying for the 2008 Democratic presidential nomination, which of course went to. Obama, he was talking to a group of people about Afghanistan and explaining to them why you can't just pull out. <laughs> explaining to them that it would take a, that, that that's not the sort of thing that you can do correctly in a short period of time. Like it's just, it's going to take a year or more. Now you remember what a couple weeks was what eventually he attempted to pull us out or did, but it was as he predicted in 07, a disaster to the degree that he told it, these people that if we tried to pull out too quickly, the weapons that they have, they will be that our weapons will be left behind and they will be used against our grandchildren or today begin to withdraw all American troops. It will take a year to get the American troops out. Do you hear me now? That's the truth. It will take a year to get them physically out. Now, if you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday.
This guy's such a piece of trash. So here he is back in 2007. Explaining why it is that we cannot do exactly what it was that he chose to do. And that is try to pull out quickly. Explaining that, that, that one of the ways you could recklessly cut the amount of time it would take to actually get out of Afghanistan is to decide just to leave all of our weapons behind. But doing that can guarantee that those very weapons will be used against our own grandkids. And here, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> I mean, you could write books. You would think just the sheer odds That, that once in a while, a decision that he makes on a grand scale, particularly when it comes to foreign relations, that the sheer odds he would get something right. It really is a phenomenon. I, I, and I, I'm not trying to make a point by exaggerating here. The episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza decides to do everything the exact opposite of what his instincts tell him to do. And now, for him, everything works out. But it, it is almost as if, I just don't know how you can be wrong as often as Biden is wrong. I mean, he was right back in 2007 with what he was saying. I guess he decided to go against his instincts. Um once he became president of the United States and proved that he was right back in 2007. I don't know that any other person, if they, for whatever reason, human experiment or just for pure entertainment of world destruction, got into a position of power and decided, I'm going to try to do everything that I believe is going to be the most boneheaded move possible, that they could as consistently make decisions that resulted in such poor results as Joe Biden. I mean, point being is that if one were to think Biden's trying to do this, I don't think anyone with this could, with such a success rate could be this wrong. I, it, it makes complete sense when we look back on, on Obama saying that never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. I don't think anyone can un underestimate that at this point, can we? Is there anyone that can possibly underestimate at this point his ability to have things up? That's the guy who chose him to be his vice president that said that. I know I've talked about you know the, these quotes before, and and Robert Gates, of uh, 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 the uh, the Obama administration. Talking about how much, and he wrote about this in his uh, his autobiography that he thought he thought Biden was a really nice, swell guy, wasn't a more likable guy in the world. But when it came to these foreign policy decisions, he's never been right on anything in his entire career. Think about that. Do you know anyone who is wrong with that much consistency to the point to where even your own allies, the people who like you? acknowledge, yeah, that he's wrong on everything. I, I just don't know anyone other than Biden. It is amazing to me that there are still people out there, human beings, that will vote for that guy. I, it, it's just amazing to me. 
I saw a meme that was posted and it's so true. It noted that humans were the only mammals that will choose an idiot to be its leader. You you think about that. The, re, the how realistic that is. How when you are dealing with animals that have some sort of leadership capacity, you know, packs of dogs, you know, some animals by nature, some mammals they're loners, but others they are not. And there's always a natural leader. They don't pick the one who's worst at being a leader. They don't pick they they pick the best one. They look at not yeah, of course they're animals, but what matters? It's just the results. That's all that matters to them. Who does the best at it? Whether it's the geese or the, you know, the dogs or, or you know what whatever the animal in which you have animals that collectively make a decision as to all right, who's the one we're going to follow? They just instinctually follow the mammal that does the best. As human beings, look at our cities. Over and over and over again, willfully choosing people who demonstrate that they screw things up. It's such a bizarre thing, as advanced as we are supposed to be above animals, and we are in so many ways, yet for whatever reason, they are so far superior to human beings when it comes to choosing leadership. Now, I, I know why this occurs. In their natural environment for animals, it's about life and death. They don't have the luxury of picking a poor leader. Their instinct is one of survival, so that just naturally occurs that that uh, whomever it is that is the leader that that you know it's not an idiot. It's not someone who's really, really bad, because if so, guess what happens? And they all cease to survive. And and as human beings, we have gotten ourselves lulled into, at least, you know, in America and other parts of the country where, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter to a lot of people. They literally will vote for the leader of the country because, well, I don't like what that guy tweets. Like, what? Are you out of your mind? Because you don't like his personality? That's great if that's a luxury you have. If you have two individuals that are equal in all other capacities, that when it comes to results, when it comes to to getting things done that are are positive, and so you're like, man, either which way, when it comes to actual results, we're good to go here. So what do we pick based off of? Well, that guy's personality, I like it a little more, so I, I guess we'll go with him. Uh, uh, that's not really where we are. I saw there was some story where I think it was NBC interviewed um, Republicans that hated Trump or something. And there was one guy that said he would vote for uh, Biden over Trump, even if Biden were dead. Said he was a Republican voter. just, And he fully acknowledged that uh, Biden is doing a horrible job and that he believes that he's completely senile. But Trump is an ass, he said. Oh, okay. So let's all just, you know, put somebody in charge that are going to make decisions in which we completely destroy 
the positives of the country where we destroy or at least greatly diminish the likelihood that our kids and our grandkids are going to have a, 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 a good quality of life or at least as good as it can be uh, because you don't like Trump. For all the ways human beings are superior to, it's all the thumbs, you know, thumbs, I guess. Though having thumbs does not make you a thinker and does not instinctually compel you to decide on leadership based on actual leadership and results. Because that is an area where animals, where human beings, we are at the very bottom regarding the ability to successfully choose leadership based off of what actually matters. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Mr. Worldwide. Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. I know that she, I think last week, maybe on vacation, I forget if she is this week or not, but uh, if she is back, then barring helping somebody get into their brand new home, um, we may see her tomorrow at Scramblers. And tomorrow is a first responders day, free breakfast for first responders. Uh, tomorrow, 6A to 9A, Barker's Frame and Collision and Pyramid Roofing. Of course, Scramblers making that possible. And I just highly recommend that you do take advantage of those opportunities. If you do have just any even sort of casual questions, a lot of times you're curious about um, you know, certain aspects of selling a home or buying a home or if it's the right time. But you're not really planning on doing anything. So you're like, well, I'm not going to call and ask. With Emily Johnson making herself available uh, with us about every other Friday or so at Scramblers. It's a great chance to come and, and meet with her. She's fantastic. You'll love her. And she'll be more than happy to answer any of those questions. And, and then she's not going to like, well, I need your phone number, and then I'll send you reminders. that we, You know, none of that. You don't have to worry. It's not a hard sell sort of situation where you're getting hooked into constant phone calls and emails. She's great. Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty. We have, of course, been told, not just by the media and Democrats, but by Joe Biden himself, that he has never had any uh, sort of uh, anything to do with his son's business while he has been in the capacity of government, right? We hear this all, I know nothing. I never talked to him. I don't know anything about his business. National Archives and Record Administration have provided... Some interesting information regarding that claim. They happen to acknowledge they have a couple of emails from then-Vice President Joe Biden about his son's business. Now, this is inconvenient because one of the lies that we've consistently been told is that he never had anything to do and didn't know anything about his son's business, nothing whatsoever. And they're like, ah, we actually found a couple emails. And by a couple... I mean, 29,000 plus. The Federalist reporting that President Joe Biden denied long before he was inaugurated that he ever discussed business with his son. A new Freedom of Information Act obtained by America First Legal via lawsuit revealed that Joe emailed his son Hunter Biden, his brother James Biden, and their respective firms tens of thousands of times over the course of his vice presidency. 
In a joint status report published by the Washington, D.C. District Court on Friday, the National Archive and Records Administration reluctantly admitted that it knew of 4,243 emails between then-Vice President Joe and Hunter. Another 1,751 emails between Joe and Jim and 19,335 emails between Joe and Hunter's private equity firm, Rosemont Seneca. That is an awful lot of emails to send about the weather. There were also 3,738 emails between Joe and his brother Jim's Chinese Communist Party-connected consultant firm Lion Hall Group. Quote, these damning numbers further confirm that there was never a wall separating the office of the vice president and Hunter Biden's business endeavors. In fact, there was extensive commingling between them, AFL wrote in a statement posted on Twitter. It is unclear what exactly the emails say since the archives claim that it will take more than 15 months to sort through the data requested in the lawsuit. Let's see, 15 months. Well, golly gee whiz, that will be after the November election, won't it? Well, isn't that convenient timing for Joe Biden? That the National Archives and Records Administration that was more than happy to expedite anything that was needed if it made Donald Trump look bad, now says that of the 20,000-plus emails to Hunter Biden and Jim Biden, Joe Biden's brother's business interests, that we're told never existed, that they do exist. But it, will, it won't be until after the election they're able to actually let that information be seen by the public. How amazing the timing. The coincidental timing that always seems to benefit Joe. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Don't forget, if you have been holding off on buying that brand new home, Not just brand new to you, but brand new. Brand new home because you're like, ah, the interest rates and everything. Builder Incentives. This is all our building company. Their new development, Woodvale, Golden and Weaver, uh, up to five-bedroom homes, 3,100 square feet. Uh, Be sure to check them out because there are some incentives there that might uh, be the difference between waiting and pulling the trigger now. And then, of course, their showroom floor making the the overall uh, look and feel of that house into a home the way that you want it. Uh, easy as can be with quality product. Aller Building Company, O-L-L-E-R. Uh, Hamas calling for a global day of jihad tomorrow. Iraq's... Kataib Hezbollah vowing to target U.S. bases if Washington aids Israel. Bernie Sanders, meanwhile, criticizing Israel's defense of itself in Gaza, claiming that the Jews, you know, Israel, they are the ones that are in, quote, serious violation of international law. And a group of 12 House Democrats walked out of the North Carolina House chamber rather than vote on a resolution supporting Israel's right to defend itself. And the Southern Poverty Law Center is refusing to tell the Federalists whether it plans to designate as hate groups any of the left-wing organizations that have come out in support of terrorism against Israel. 
Yes, this is the same Southern Poverty Law Center that is used as an authority by outlets like the News Leader to call moms who have interest in their children's education hate groups, but at the same time, Southern Poverty Law Center won't designate as a hate group people who are openly cheering and supporting terrorist acts against Jews. Classy organization. See you tomorrow. First responders breakfast at Scranton.